see some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got I'm trying to catch you in a uh, yeah, saying something scandalous about women surfing or oh, something. Oh, it's funny you should mention that because I do have scandalous stuff about women surfing. Do you? Yeah. All right, perfect. So we're live. Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales. It's a Monday morning here in Southern California. It's May 14th, Monday, May 14th. David and I haven't seen each other since the boardroom. Good morning, David. I know. I'm anxious to catch up with you about all of that. I got lots of um, positive feedback to share. I've got some constructive criticisms to share, which you may or may not want to hear. Um, I always want to hear the truth. Well, good, because I've got the truth for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. All positive. But uh, we need to state, most importantly, that we are live at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, Shack. S-H-A-C-C dot O-R-G. Uh, are you aware of this? The greatest event in surfing coming up, Scott, on Friday, June 22nd. I am. The Ohana Gala, Women Making Waves, a fundraising event for the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Women Making Waves. Honoring Joyce Hoffman, Lisa Anderson, and Stephanie Gilmore. Three generations of uh, kind of groundbreaking female performers in the world of surfing. And then Lifetime Achievement honoree, Rel Sun. So this is taking place in Laguna Beach uh, on, again, Friday, February, or I'm sorry, June 22nd, 2018. You can check it out at shack.org slash Ohana Gala. And this is our home studio. Okay, well, this is a great segue for my thing about women and pro surfing. Let's hear it. Hand that thing to me, will you? Yep. What did we see the weekend of the boardroom show, the most important weekend of the year for the surf industry? Besides the boardroom show, what occurred? The Founders' Cup. Right. The Founders' Cup. Did you know that they did not honor any women? Are there no women that are founders of professional surfing? There are women that are founders of Of professional surfing. You named three, at least one of them, Joyce Hoffman right here. And I could throw out, of course, like Jericho Poplar, they, Roy's uh, Relson, you mentioned, oh, who yeah. Shaq is honoring. I was sort of surprised yeah. that, that that, especially in the year of Me Too, you know, the hashtag Me Too, um, all of this stuff that's happened in the past two years regarding that movement, misogyny in general, not making, um, not giving women their due, um, equal pay, equal opportunity, all of these things. And Sophia, is it Sophie or Sophia? Sophie. Sophie Goldschmidt is the president, is the CEO of the WSL. And it's run by um, Dirk and his wife, Natasha, is it? Who, you know, they're big fans of what women do. Like, I don't, this was, this wasn't, obviously, this could not have been intentional. No. But it was a massive oversight, in my opinion. And I'm sure that somebody... Um, below Natasha, Dirk, and Sophie Goldschmidt is going to catch an earful or should or has already because that was a major blunder to not honor at least one professional surfer from the 60s or the 70s when this whole thing got going. You know, there's Lynn Boyer, there's Jericho Poplar. I'm just riffing off the top of my head, right. obviously, Relson. 
there's a bunch of women. There's probably some women behind the scenes that I'm not even that I'm not even aware of. Administrators, you know, maybe it's Randy Rarick's wife. I don't know. Yeah. But somebody did a lot of work and and um I don't know. I what are your thoughts on that? Did, am well, I overstating I, this or no, was this a I agree with you. Um couple of thoughts. Firstly, it was rumored that Dirk Ziff's wife, Natasha, largely supported the investment of purchasing the WSL to elevate women's surfing. Part of that, oh, that was like was her de- that was mission definitely statement. part of this. Yeah. yeah, that came out like, in look, press let's, releases. Let's do this, but really let's kind of help elevate the women of the sport. Um, and they've done so that, by the way. Been, they've done yeah. a good job of that. But my other thought is um, the Founders Cup concept. I mean, I feel like that was kind of forced anyways. I understand the idea of getting together and having nation states compete against each other in the wave pool prior to the Olympics, prior to the WCT event in September, but then calling it the Founders Cup and trying to shoehorn in like, oh, let's honor founders of our sport. That part felt a little bit forced to me. I didn't fully get the connection between honoring these founders of the sport and then us doing this other thing, you know? Yeah, it yeah, maybe have been a stretch. You're trying to figure out what exactly their angle was. I, Did they? Is it because they founded this new yeah maybe opportunity to showcase pro surfing through the wave pool, and in doing that, they said, "Hey, look, we're, we're this is a new chapter in professional surfing. Let's not forget the first guys. So let's combine the two. And I can see that making sense. A lot of it is in the message. You know, and maybe yeah. the message didn't get across. Or maybe it was just, look, this is a new flashpoint in surfing and we don't want to abandon our roots. So let's kind of incorporate the roots as we plant this new thing going forward. And of course, underneath all of that is, hey, we need buy-in from these guys. <laughs> you know, if we can get buy-in from Rarick and MR and yeah. Sean and all those guys, you know, PT yeah. and blah, blah, blah. But then, then that's going to validate and give this thing some integrity, which makes a ton of sense to me though. It just did feel a little bit forced or it felt again, a little shoehorned in and not fully, fully kind of integrated. Um, but yeah, no big deal. But I think to your point, you're right. Their lack of including a female in the mix is odd and a misstep. Uh, this may be a good time for an email. Yeah, let's hear it. Surfers are the worst. This is in response to bad ideas from David on taking your podcast to global ideas. Oh, I hated this email. Did you see this? This email was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lamest email we've ever gotten. He says, yeah, I man. like podcasts. I listen to all kinds, finance, politics, bas- basketball, surf. Every one of them somehow manages to crowbar the officially sanctioned message of bored suburban white guys trying to sound deep, i.e. climate change and how great and strong women are. I speak for all listeners. Wow, he took it upon himself to speak for all listeners. I speak for all listeners when I say I'm so sick of hearing both. For the love of God, no one cares about women surfing. Tell David to stop trying to get laid by trying to sound like a feminist. And no, climate change isn't interesting. I struggle to see how a surfer who doesn't wash his hair is going to add to this conversation. Get back to your expertise, David Shotgunning beers on Huntington Beach. <laughs> Take the chop up global, leave climate change to the politicians looking for a lame excuse to tax us. By the way, let's ban millennials from talking about causes. You're both great at talking about surfing, though. Stick to that. 
And I, I edited that email, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of... That was a tamer version. Yes. Got some issues to deal with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I like it. I appreciate his listenership. Uh, I would argue, though, by not washing my hair, I am... That is an environmentalist act. I guarantee you, 90% of what he puts into his palm when he goes to wash his hair ends up going down the drain and not actually washing any fiber on his body. So he's actually harming the environment by doing that. Okay. And whatever. supporting I've got another big, email. big shampoo over at Johnson and Johnson. This is in respect to the founder's cup, which it feels like we're on this topic. So I'm going to go with this. Is that all right? Um, back. I want to actually address this thing real quick. Okay. He was sending that in reference to you and I were talking about how to make environmental cause talk sexy and bringing our last show and bringing this podcast uh bringing more concepts into the broadcast making it more inclusive to all sorts of stuff which you and i generally do riff on some random topics so i disagree with him like he's saying nobody wants to hear about women surfing nobody wants to hear about environmental things our original argument was People do want to hear about it. It's just generally not packaged in a sexy way, and therefore it's boring. And I think he's right. People don't want to hear it because it's boring. I stand by our original argument, which is I think we can do better work to make them those things more, number one, interesting, and then applicable to your real life, number two. You know what I mean? Like Once you realize how this stuff affects you, that then makes it interesting. You're smirking. No. no, I'm just thinking, let's just let's just keep it to not washing your hair. That's a pretty good environmental cause. It's something we can all, we know about. We can rally around it. It's simple. We even have a name for it, the chop hop. There's a bigger, <laughs> there's bigger fish to fry. I agree. I totally agree. But in fact, I was having this conversation with my wife this morning that it's really easy to general, to get general information about stuff. And frankly, that's all you and I would do on that level about something like the environmental concerns. Um, or whatever it is, baseball, music. It's so easy to just Google yeah. and get information, right? So the podcast is either about environmental stuff and you dig deep and you are the source that people that want to hear about environmental stuff know. They can go to that environmental podcast. Those guys do insane research. They know their crap. They're actually, they have BSs in biological, what, you know. So it's extremely focused. That might be something that an environmentalist or somebody interested in that would listen to. But to just touch topically on stuff um, and pre- and not pretend, but to hope to enlighten and engage, I think you, I think the listener could do a better job just Googling it. Just Google what, you know what I mean? Like Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you and I can't go, hey, listener, why don't you Google what's happening at San Onofre? Because frankly, David and I aren't prepared to give you the full-on down-the-rabbit-hole version of it. And there's an There just happens to be an investigative reporter for the OC register that's done that. So just go read that. Or here's a link to that. See, I I think that we're not going to be able to provide as much detailed information as that investigative journalist will on a topic. But that's not our job. Our job is to showcase how it's applicable to our surfing life, basically. You know, and our personal life. I mean, to be honest, this is a surf podcast. But the feedback I always get is, hey, my favorite was when you guys riffed on how you prepare a ribeye or the type of coffee you drink or the, you know what I mean? So it's the personal conversations that we're having. And the reality is if you and I didn't have these mics on and we were just getting together periodically, eventually the topic of the San Onofre nuclear power thing would come up. Right. And so how do you and I discuss that in that non-miced conversation? It would be, dude, 
I don't think I'm going to surf trestles anymore. I'm not definitely not surfing Sano. I'm not even letting my kids drive past that anymore. That's the sort of stuff. It doesn't really matter. Or I mean, the big stuff, the investigative journals, that matters too. And you're right, we can redirect to it. But that's not, your and I job here is to, how does it affect our lives yeah. as surfing individuals? Even, right. I think. Okay. Um, I'm already bored. See what environmental, <laughs> it's just like the most boring topic ever. <laughs> okay, here's another email. By the way, your wife, is on week seven, now week eight of not washing she her hair. almost washed her hair yesterday. No way. Did she yeah. get something in it that she needed? No. Um, what was the reasoning? She didn't, but um, I forget. It but- was the number one topic, topic of conversation at the boardroom show. <laughs> when people came up to me, that's what they mentioned, and specifically her. Oh, we your hair? First, everybody's personal experience with it because oh, they've been tr- yeah. trying it. But firstly, she and I commiserated about um, trying to communicate with you. And then secondly... <laughs> And then she's like, how have you done it for four years? And I'm like, four? What are you at? No. <laughs> Secondly, she was like, um, she she told me, she's like, dude, I committed to not washing the hair thing. And she's like, and it's never looked better. It's never been. Yeah. She's she's a fan. Yeah. So she is. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, I got another email. Okay. Hit me. This is from Kyle Morgan. It says, hey, uh, random discussion online between myself and another surfer about the wave pool event. Overall, the consensus was that it was crap. I give up. I gave up pretty quickly to instead watch the air slowly leak from my car tires. This was more entertaining, and I was more emotionally invested in the outcome. You could call the wave before the surfer even paddled into it. Beyond the boredom factor, and let's be honest, watching this event made the static on-hold beach camera they have during regular events look epic by comparison. The biggest sin was the event made barrels boring. Never in my life did I think 14-second barrels would be boring, but somehow the WSL has committed the ultimate sin. That being said, that the event sucked in my opinion. This is, again, Kyle. Yeah. This is not Scott's opinion. This is Kyle's opinion. Right. The wave was repetitive, and no matter how much fa excitement the announcers had, I resented them and the event even more and more. I'm more excited for Rio, at least at the prospect of a bacterial infection from the sewage makes the event more exciting. Although you can get a bacterial infection a little more probably. And the waves are, dear God, I can't believe I'm saying this, more entertaining. But I think there is hope for events at the pool. The team format could be fun. Let the teams get into it more and play up the competition aspect. And finally, poor Strider. I don't give a damn if he got to surf or not, but the poor bastard looked like a fool the entire event. It was 95 degrees in the sun, and here they have him wandering around in a full suit and rash guard giving conditions updates. The guy is a hilarious character in the best possible way and is an awesome surfer, but I guess it was fitting that the ranch, the WSL, turned him into the rodeo clown. Don't even get me started on having him carry around a brand new board the whole time that didn't even have wax on it, but it did have the mandatory leash from a loyal listener Kyle, end of email. Scathing. Yeah, maybe too scathing. I actually edited that one too. I don't think it's too scathing, actually. I think it's pretty accurate representation of how most people felt. I, I haven't talked to anybody who thought that the event was um, awesome. Okay, well, this is good because this is this is what I this was what I was hoping we would get into is your opinion of the Founders Cup. Ready, begin. Um, I agree with what Kyle was saying in terms of they made the barrel boring. It wasn't the contest's fault. It's actually, I think, a the initial um, misstep was the engineering of the pool. 
all in all, we thought we wanted a perfect wave. Now with just two years of kind of retrospection, we're realizing, no, we don't want a perfect wave. What we loved about the barrel in the ocean environment, the reason why the barrel was sacred was its scarcity, right? And it was so hard to come by. And then once you get it, you have a unpredictable amount of time in the thing and a lot of negotiations made to try to make the thing. By commodifying it in the wave pool, they've eliminated all of it. Again, the scarcity was what we valued, not the tunnel itself. So by making a tunnel thinking that was the value, no, 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 the scarcity was the value. And he touched on it further by saying, I think a part that you edited out was him saying that you have to um, stall to get into the barrel and you know that the surfer's gonna make the barrel. So that eliminates the other great thing about the tube, which is the unpredictability. You know, in any contest environment, whether it's pipeline or in Rio, if somebody gets stalls to get into the barrel and you know before they stall that they're going to make the barrel, it gets scored very low, right? So to have them assigning scores for people stalling and then just sitting there for 14 seconds and then just coming out gracefully, there's no spit, there's no anything, there's no pumping, and then to have the commentators foe showing it or feigning excitement about that is also insincere. And I understand, I don't think that the commentators were being insincere. I think in the environment with all the excitement happening and this man-made spectacle, it is exciting. And you are thrilled to watch it because you're caught up in all of that. But it's the equivalent of somebody posting an Instagram video of the concert they were at last night. It doesn't translate. It's super boring. So to hear them going, oh my gosh, he pulled into the barrel. Look at the, the little clock comes up. Look at the counter going, oh, he's 12 seconds into the barrel. Well, he didn't work for it and he's not doing anything. Anybody, we saw Kalani Miller this weekend get barreled with Kelly Slater in tandem on a tandem board. You know what I mean? Like it's now anybody can do it. So stripping away all of the scarcity devalued the exact thing that they hoped to recover all, excuse me, all of their investment on, you know, like here's this amazing commodity. We now are going to sell this pool for $50,000 a day rentals. Oh, except we've devalued it by making it plentiful. That's my concern. Okay. That's fascinating. That's good insight. Um, I found myself fascinated by the event, by the contest. Um, neither fascinated in a good way or fascinated in a bad way. If you can be fascinated in a bad way, you just can when you see a car wreck, when you see a train wreck, I was just intrigued to see how the whole thing was going to unfold as a, as you know, from sitting in this chair, talking with you and the, and the, our listeners about it. I was, I was just like, let's just see what happens, you know? And, um, and you're right. It was predictable. I think it was predictable. And in many ways I found that John John's, sort of performance kind of summed up the way everyone felt about it. Like there was moments of brilliance, you know, and there was moments of excitement and there was moments of, oh my, but there was also moments where we were let down. We were let down by John John and we were let down by maybe our own expectations of what we, ex what we thought the Founders Cup or competition on this wave was going to be like. Um, you're right. The one thing about surfing in the ocean is the unknown and the unknown gives us this when it does happen, it, it ramps up the excitement about that thing that happens. The tube is an unknown. Air sections coming at us are unknowns. 
frankly, sharks are unknowns. Totally. Wind, um, tide change. And, and these are things, uh, this wave is awesome. First and foremost, we've said it, everyone said it. When I was a little kid, David, when I was a young surfer, and even, not even young, just five years ago, there, I think there are times in every surfer's life when we've been at a flat beach or we've gone on a surf trip and the waves are flat and we've gone, gosh, man, wouldn't it be cool if somehow somebody could make a wave machine right now? That would be insane. I'd give anything for that. Well, they have done that. And I think that, that we can't diminish that. The fact that they have engineered this thing, it's an engineering marvel. And I was talking to somebody, Wingnut, the other day, you and I surfing that wave when we went up there to surf it, and, and David and I have surfed this wave, Kelly Slater's Wave Ranch. It was one of the highlights of my surfing life. Yes, I agree. Because it, it, it turned that dream of when I've been in front of a flat beach into a reality. Like I was blown away that this thing even exists, that it can make such an incredibly perfect wave. Now, it does not, we're not sure yet. At least I'm holding out. I'm not going to make an opinion about whether this is going to work in a competitive format or not until September when we have men on man, uh, women on women, WCT event going down there. Um, at that point, I think we'll, all of us will have had time to digest what we saw in May and we will have had time to digest a true WCT event. And I think at that time we can make a real valued opinion on it. Um, but well, the wave's insane. The competitive format, we're not sure yet. What we correct. do know is... Insane to surf. Insane to surf. Incredible yes. to surf. Yeah. I don't, look, don't watch it. That's fine. Nobody's that's, forcing... So that's kind of the distinction is right. surfing versus watching it. I'm, not, I'm at the point where watching Well, I can it, even watch it. Not much. I mean, when a clip shows up on Instagram, do you stop and watch the full 60 you, seconds? You watch Kalani Miller and with Kelly, right? Because the point of difference there was two people on the wave. That's the only reason I watched that one. But if I'm scrolling... So if there's and, a monkey in the tube, are you going to watch it? I would watch that are they, Look, we've got a goat. Not the goat, but a goat, a real goat in the tube. <laughs> Will you watch it? A goat boat, I would watch. Uh, but... Yes, I would watch those things, but the next uh, surf team manager who visits there and posts a clip of him getting a barrel, I'm not watching that one. Even if Josh Kerr goes there next week and posts a clip, I'm not watching that one. Well, we do know that it's the, the wave has incredible value as for surf team managers and their teams going and, and getting practice. I, the reps practice that you're going to get. Practice for what? For surfing. In, in the ocean? Yes. Really? Yes. I don't know. You don't think riding a perfect wave is going to over and over and over at, at your heart's content isn't going to help you go surfing in the ocean? Yes, but not more so than going surfing in the ocean will. Really? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. So you think given side by side the perfect wave at Lemoore where you're going to get 35 second rides over and over and over versus paddling out for two hours somewhere and maybe getting actual wave time of 40 seconds i think you go apples to apples comparison so if you put some no no yeah, that's you not do. what you said you said you you're in the ocean at a right hand point break like if you send them to bara or something for that two hour session versus yeah. two hour sessions in lamore yeah i'm saying i would agree you would with get that. you would get more yeah. You'd get better at surfing by surfing at Barra because you're negotiating, you're working for it. Right. You're making all those negotiations. Right. You're trying to pick the best set wave. Yeah. So if you learn how to, let's just say you learn how to surf in that pool. 
And yes, you get very good at doing turns and getting barreled. And then you go get planted in the ocean in a surf contest somewhere. You won't even know how to pick the right wave. Yeah. Well, that's, you know what that's I mean? no doubt. But we're assuming that all these guys grew up surfing in the ocean. That, that's they what did. was my assumption. They so. did. I'm just saying, I think there's a very limited amount of learning and growth you can do, especially at that level. Once you're at that level of surfing by surfing in that pool, you'll have a blast. You'll have fun doing it. I don't think it advances your, and you'll, you'll need that practice to surf in the next contest that's coming there. But I don't think that that really elevates your surf kind of prowess on right. the grand in the world, you know? Yeah, it, it has, you know, as you mentioned, the, the tube there has gotten to a place where really all you have to do is anybody can do it. You just crouch down. I mean, if you can stand on a board and crouch, you're going to get tubed. I don't know if you're going to come out. That one section is pretty fast. There's um, different waves too. Now. I will say this though. When the final went down, I didn't see a lot of the contest because we were busy at, at the real contest, which was um, the Icons, Icons of Foam, foam. <laughs> shape off. But I was running around and I would catch glimpses yeah. of the contest. And I watched the finals, some of it. I watched Kelly's last wave. I got to see it. And there was general excitement around the various areas that was showing uh, on the big screen the contest. So... I think that was the strength of the event was creating a live viewing experience and like a cheering section for the nation state that was competing at that time. Yeah. And like being a part of it and elevating the athletes to celebrity status, you know, right. I think all of that was very successful and we've seen it done with success at, you know, uh, other events like the Rio event, which I'm actually watching right now while we're recording. Are you watching it? No, on your computer. No, um, I will be. Yeah, it's heat twelve be, of round one. This will <laughs> make probably the a bad worst, idea. This will make for the worst podcast in the history. But of like at Rio, they do. You know, they try to make it um, an entire event uh, experience, a festival experience, not just people surfing in the water. But then Hurley gets involved, and they do the waves for water initiative and the lay days and stuff like that. Incorporate the community do the Hurley surf club stuff, have Felipe come down and all that. So I think the founders cup did a great job of that. And that serves their business. Well, the WSL, I heard the event part was really good. Yeah. If you were there, you were having a blast. Yeah. Everyone had a blast is what I heard. I heard, and I don't mean to interrupt, but I heard what you heard that the actual fan uh, experience engagement. Yeah. The fan experience. Thank you. Was awesome. And that makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. they that's what they're going to be real. I think if they didn't bring in a pro for that, they pulled it off great. And um, yeah, super good experiences, I heard. So I think that's something that um, that's, that, that's part of their bigger goal that we've seen all along is, you know, creating this. I also you need heard to sell tickets, basically. Yeah. So box office. This is the first ever event where they had box office revenue. Good. I think unless Allentown, Pennsylvania had box office revenue. And yeah. Have they ever done box office revenue on an event? I don't think you can because the beach is public. Right. But um, I also heard that people, like, um, from an event experience, there was a lot of people that were engaged in all the other stuff that was happening. Like, not everybody was locked into every heat as it went down at Lemoore. Like, so it was kind of a good thing in a way, you know, because you got, you could watch some surfing and then go check out a band or whatever else they had going on. Well, so the surfing only takes place every five minutes, right? For 45 seconds. I think, yeah, four minutes, I think. Every four minutes, okay. So, yeah, it's not that engaging. 
here's another thing I wanted to ask you about was um, I'm, I'm concerned that the surfers were safety surfing a bit. You only get two waves. You don't want to fall because number one, you only have two, but also you don't want to let down your team. You're a part of this team. So I saw a lot of people surfing at 75% hoping to get a seven and people not really going for tens. Obviously Felipe got a 10. John, John got a good wave. Um, but there was nothing in the event that was game changing. I thought we were going to watch the event and somebody would do the hugest alley-oop we've ever seen or just something crazy riding backwards, fakie in the barrel or something, you know, like Griff in the free surf going leading into the event, did the blow tail came out in reverse and then spun it right at the last second into the barrel. I thought maybe we'd see somebody going fakie in the barrel and then make the switch in the tube or something freaky, you know, because now you have the opportunity to do it except because the wave you only get two, you're not going to do it. Yeah. That's going to need to, that's really up to the judges. The judges are going to dictate how much that happens and they need to let the surfers in September know, Hey, guess what? You want a 10? You better go way outside the box. And otherwise, you're looking at threes if you complete the ride. If you complete the ride, you're looking at threes. And the difference between threes and seven and above is going to be absolute craziness. Right. And I I almost feel like... I agree. If you just make the wave and you're not like... We're not just all like... If you don't hear like one of those tiger roars like you hear in the back nine at Augusta or something, like if we're not all just screaming... And in a weird way, the audience can affect that, but we're not going to well, give you excellent scores. This goes back to my original thesis, which is, I think they built the wrong wave, like making a perfectly barreling right with soft sections. It's not allowing for that type of surfing, what we want to see. There's nothing that we've seen in the wave pool that we haven't already seen in the ocean. Right? Yeah. So one where you look at Seth Moniz's backflip right at BSR cable park. Yeah. We've never seen a backflip that big in the ocean. Now we're going, Oh, this has validity. This isn't just a replication of the ocean. This actually allows you to do things that we've never seen before. There's nothing at KS Waveco that we can't see in the ocean. So I think that's a problem for them. I think Kyle in that email that you read part of earlier, he also brought up a good point, which was there is a way to make this event more exciting or to make surfing in the pool more exciting instead of having the event be scored on performance for the overall wave, like a normal contest, break up the competition into different disciplines, much like gymnastics. So set the wave, dial it in for an air section. And then in this heat, Everybody goes out and does the most innovative air they can do, and you get a score on a 1 to 10 scale. Then the next heat, we're going to set it to the dredging barrel all the way down the pool. And whoever can do the gnarliest kind of innovation, stalling, driving, all that negotiation gets us a 1 to 10 score. Then set up a crazy lip, you know, to do a big blow tail on or whatever. And at the end of all those disciplines, all of your co- scores get added up to a final tally and that's who wins the event. And those people can also represent their country. If you want to do that component of it, the nation state thing, then you still represent your country in that. And then maybe we'll just find out, well, Brazil lost, but they have the best aerialists, you know, or whatever it happens to be. That would be an interesting concept. 
I don't know if they have that much ability they to don't. change the wave. They, they don't. don't. But well, again, my original thesis, they built the wrong wave. Well, the good news is here is, first of all, I don't think they built the wrong wave. That wave's insane. That wave's super killer. For, com- for competitive viewing. Oh, that's, for that's competitive viewing. Okay. I would agree with that. Maybe we've made it too perfect. Um, the good news is this is like, you know, when they decided to let, you know, the, when the internet became free to everybody, like, and now we're 15, 20 years later and look where we're at, you know, we're watching the internet on our phones. Um, that's such a thing. Can you watch the internet on your phone? Yeah, I do. Yeah. On the way here, <laughs> while the surf contest is on. My point is, is that it's so easy to be a hater on this thing. And I'm not saying you're being a hater, but it's so easy for all of us to pick out the bad stuff or the stuff that can be improved, perhaps is the better way to frame it. And we should do that. But I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this thing's incredible, that what they've built is fascinating and it's unreal. And guess what? They're building two or three more of these. And what do you think those versions are going to look like next door? So they're going to have the perfect wave. Then they're going to build one with a different bathymetry. That's the only thing they can't really control right now. They can control the speed of the train. They can control how much water's in the pool. They can. They have two or three settings, as you know. I think more than that. Somebody told me it was like twenty-five. Who? The jet ski driver there. When I was filming your waves on the back of the ski, I was chatting with him. Well, maybe there's increments of. Yeah. I I thought there was only three, but. Anyway, point is, is that they're going to build other variations of this and we're going to see um, stuff like what we saw at BSR in Waco, Texas, that the American wave machine people built or were contracted to build by BSR. So, by the way, I'm interviewing the guy, the guy, the American wave machines guy Wednesday. Oh, we're going to do a podcast. Is he in Southern California? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah. Cool. So I don't know what we do with that. You and I should talk offline about whether yeah. to tag that onto this or it might be too late by then because we probably want to get this live. Yeah, this, but we'll figure it out. But I want to go, there's a lot to discuss there, but back to your original point, we don't want to vilify the wave pool. I, I agree. We're I'm not vilifying it. I am giving, we're having this conversation in the kind context of, in the context of a competitive of, well, format. Yes. And then lo- broader than that, in the context of the past two years of us discussing this wave pool, where I've stated over and over that it's this engineering marvel that we're thrilled with, that we had the best time of our life going to. It was like the first time I felt like going to Disney. It was like a Disneyland experience from my childhood as an adult. It was remarkable. So yes, it's amazing, but we're critics on this show. We love all criticism. Look, I love Kelly Slater and all I do is talk crap about him on this show because it's like, we love you so much that now we're going to kind of give you super specific critiques in this kind of top 2% of your performance ability and how you could get to better, you know, to the 99%. So that's what this is. This is, Hey guys, we're fully invested. We love it. We love surfing. We love all of the, what you guys are doing for us. Here's how to improve it. Here's how to make it better. So on a scale of one to 10, this contest was a, in my opinion, it was a six. Um, I'm going to go last, dude. With Chopu, Perfect Chopu I'm, would be yeah, a 10. I'm going to go two. Okay. Yeah. If Perfect Chopes, the last year that Kelly won or any year at Pipe and all the excitement we get there, this was a two. This had no excitement. 
Yeah, maybe, this had you're, a, uh, maybe you're right. Now this this to... had camaraderie. There's There was an element of like the festival atmosphere that I enjoyed of it, but it was not exciting. I didn't see anything. It, I mean, in terms of Were surfing. Were you glued to the final? Uh, no, I didn't watch any of it live because of the boardroom show. I right. watched it all in kind of hindsight retrospection. Because there was something about being around a community of like-minded yeah. surfers. Because I watched it in the XTR booth. They had a, they had the big screen up as well as as us, and I just happened to watch it there because there was like ten guys that were just geeking out hard. Like we were, they were, and they were. You know what they were all talking about? Board design. Every single one of them was talking about what board's going to work best here, and how come? Um, who was it that was switching? Jordy. Jordy was switching up boards. A lot of guys were switching up boards. I think John John might have been switching up boards, but Jordy was riding like an SK at the the Stuart Kennedy model mm. Tomo. And then he was riding the Kelly Slater one to a different Tomo version, either backside or frontside, depending which way he was going. But anyway, all of those guys were going, look, why is she riding that board? That's such a bad choice. You know, like they're all talking about tail designs and which it makes sense. Cause that's what they do. They built surfboards. So they were fully geeking out on what board design worked, you know, the best in this wave. I think that's one aspect that has tremendous value of the pool is being able to dial in board design because you're able to create the same playing surface over and over and over again. You know, whereas in the ocean, you take out two different tail designs and it's hard to attribute aspects of performance to tail design as opposed to this wave was bowling out more than that wave, you know? Who do you think surfed that wave the best? Who do you think on that weekend in, in with the jersey on did the best um, from what you saw? I mean, Kelly, the most memorable maneuver I saw was John John's inverted air. The best wave I saw surfed was Felipe's, but I think Kelly's just flow and rhythm with the wave. Like there was, I think it was his final left where he needed a nine point ride and he got like a seven something. It was like, that's more enjoyable. That was more enjoyable to watch, even though it wasn't the biggest score, just cause he is so, he's got it so dialed. There's so much flow, you know, I kind of watch his surfing and aspire to that more than I do watching Felipe surfing yeah. or certainly John John's air. I can't yeah. aspire to that. It's otherworldly. Whereas yeah. Kelly stuff, it's like, Oh, I'm never going to do a turn that sick, but there's kind of adjustments that he's making or kind of hip gyrations that I can incorporate into my surfing. That's what it is. Hip gyrations. It's got it all in the hips. <laughs> I thought Gabe Medina surfed really well. I don't know if you saw any of his heats, but yeah, I remember he, he, he almost looked bored with it. He did a rodeo. Yeah. But it, again, lame rodeo, you know? Yeah. Like it was not, three inch- not Seth Moniz. That thing he no. did in, in Waco was insane. Right. So, um, did you, were you aware of that Waco pool before it hit the internet? Like, yeah. were you aware yeah. of the potential of that wave and how sick it was? Um, I hadn't seen the wave prior to, I don't think anyone had seen the wave prior to it going on Surfline. But maybe maybe there was some leakage out there. Well, there had. It, but there, I was definitely aware that the wave was going in. It's been on my radar big time. So it's funny. I, that's something I would like to discuss. As you said, I don't think anybody saw it until it went on Surfline, except that there was 30 groms, 30 billabong groms there. Like the day the wave hit was actually the day of the Founders Cup. It was Saturday because we were at the boardroom show yeah. and everybody's walking around going, did you see this thing? And then by the next day, I saw the backflip. I saw Tyler Warren there. I saw a bunch of billabong groms there that are eight years old. Like 
either they Billabong partnered with them or something very smartly, by the way, because the internet was flooded with not only one image of this wave, but like 30 with surfers of varying abilities, good surfers, all of them, but some goofy, some regular Tyler riding a retro board guys riding high performance boards, all of them surfing it differently. And it was kind of this very definitive thing of like, bang, we're here, we're on the map. That one first clip you saw of the wave breaking, there was no scale to understand. Is that the picture you put on your Instagram? No, oh. it was um, on Saturday. It was a slow-mo uh, vid of somebody standing in knee-high water filming the right barreling at them with yeah. the wall on the left side of the frame. It was kind of like you weren't able to gauge, okay, that wave looks sick, but maybe if you see a human on it, it might change the scale. Yeah. Well, then within 24 hours, you saw four, five, six, seven different humans on different angles yeah. doing all sorts of different things. You go, oh, yeah, that's gnarly. Yeah. They did a great job. My point is they did a great job with kind of revealing it to the public. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I, I, it'll be interesting to see because they, they played it off like, oh, it just so happened to be at the same time as mm. Kelly's thing. That was intentional. <laughs> it was intentional. Totally. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. How about, are you familiar, Stab Magazine did a great job um, reporting on this, Michael C. and their filmer photographer, Sam Moody, I think is his name, mm -hmm. went there uninvited but like had connection obviously. And they were like, maybe we can surf it. Maybe we can't, they got to surf it. And then they kind of gave the full backstory, but Shane Magnuson from Maui, um, Clay Marzo's stepbrother, regular footer, uh, was hired on as a consultant, I guess, a few months back, six months ago, he connected with the owner of the park, which is this just like eccentric, you know, super wealthy dude yeah. who had already built 
a water park there. Those things were already enacted. Oh yeah, that place has been there for a long time. And he has all a lot of additional acreage and wanted to build a wave pool and somehow connected with Shane and was like, hey, move your family to Texas and we'll give you a job and you can help bring this thing online. So that's what Shane's been doing there for the last six months. And yeah. Shane was wondering all the while, like, shoot, this thing may just kind of never come to fruition. And this guy has enough money to just keep throwing at it. And if it doesn't come to fruition, then I'm sitting here in Texas, not surfing an awesome wave pool, you know, but it turned out to work out fine for Shane. Um, but that's kind of an interesting story. I'd love to talk to. Shane yeah, about it. I, that is actually, I think, you know, that's more or less it, right. That, that, you know, you uproot your family from Maui and move to Waco. That's a pretty big commitment, but it sounds like it's, it's working out. Seems to be. And who knew that Shane would ultimately have a resurgence of his career? You know what I mean? Like he was never an A-lister. He was always kind of fighting for that um, notoriety. And then it's certainly fallen off the radar, you know, had a family, all that sort of stuff. And then boom, right back up to the top. It's kind of rad to see. And yeah. he's, he's looking more fit than he's ever looked, actually. And his surfing looks amazing. So good for him. Yeah. And that, let's just talk about that wave. That wave looks insane, right? It's shorter. It's totally different than the KS Wave Company wave. Punchy beach break. Punchy beach break with a, a really cool looking barrel. And there's three or four, two, three, four waves at a time. Mm -hmm. It looks like the more waves that come, the further out it breaks. Um, I don't know. The length of the wave looks like. Two, three turns. Like a, there's a barrel, like you do a turn, then you set up and you can stall for the barrel and then backdoor it even. Yeah. And then you, there's an end section. There's the end section's section. heavy. It's um, it looks shallow. It is shallow. Like it looked like Seth Mooney. Like if you land wrong, you could break your neck or something. That's what Michael Ciamarello was saying on stab was that, um, it is like sandpaper bottom and it is shallow. I think it's deep where the wave breaks, but just right behind it, you know, two feet behind you in the whitewash where the wave's breaking. Yeah. Um, or kind of like bouncing back up, it's shallow there. Yeah. So if you eat it, you can definitely get bounced and sandpaper, like kind of road rash. Yeah. Um, but he was saying, yeah, there's definitely sections for two or three turns. And what I thought, I mean, that barrel, even though it's not long and perfect, it looks more fun. It's a punchy beak. And again, the element that it brings back there is not knowing whether yeah, or not unknown. you're going to make it. That's, yeah. that's the thing. The spontaneity, the excitement. Yeah. The unknown. That's really what we're looking for. And look, with two years, if this pool was online for two years, if we have that much kind of re retrospection on it, we would probably have a tremendous amount of criticism of this as well. Because when KS Wave Co. came online, it was purely positive, excitement, exuberant kind of, wow, that's how we're feeling now about this. You know what? I've also, I've, I'm under the impression that... Um, this wave, they like they just turned it on. Like they, yeah. like you know, like normally I think it's with the Kelly Slater thing. They they like tested it. Yeah. They kept it under full wraps, right? This wave, they just went. I don't know. Come on out, let's try it. And they like literally turned it on, and it could have just failed. Yeah, it could have failed in front of everybody. You know, yeah, all the Billabong guys you mentioned or whoever. Only those guys though, because it wasn't the whole world watching. My point is, is that they're kind of winging it. Like in a weird way, that's not probably the best way you come online. It's just depending. And by the way, there's a bunch of different options here that we haven't even seen. Yeah. There are a bunch of different settings and waves and, and different mechanisms that can be fired for this wave to create different situations. So we've only seen one of them. 
I think there's a lot more out there that, and, and when I speak Wednesday with the engineer guy, I'm going to get, get to the bottom of that and find out how many different types of waves we can get out of this yeah. wave and so forth and well, so on. What I love about it is that's, I think, reflective of the owner and his mentality, which is like, dude, I've got so much money. This is an afterthought. This wasn't even a business plan. This is just, I'm let's build a wave pool and have some guys surf it. And it's a college town. And I think college kids like to surf. Here you go. As opposed to the KS Wave Co. where it's like a number of people are really concerned about getting their dollars returned on this investment, you know? And so let's be very strategic. Yeah. Let's build a business model out and let's execute. And we need a marketing plan in place and all the, And this other guy's just like, no, no, no. Here's just a bunch of money and let's figure it out along the way. It's, it's cool. So the question is, when are Scott and David getting invited to go surf Waco? I'm waiting. I'm waiting <laughs> for my invite still. Me too. Yeah, look in. You're the guy with the wave um, wave pool kind of hookups. Well, yeah. Dig I mean, in. Well, you're going to find out Wednesday. What am I? Th- <laughs> you're going to. Get us an invite Wednesday. I'm going to try. So, okay. What I do want to know is you have all these questions um, that you're going to ask him. Like, what are those questions? What are we, what do we want to know about this pool? You said, well, how first, many different I kind of want to know how the day went. Like, cause it must the be launch day, the launch day. Okay. It must've been really stressful for this guy, the engineer behind like, so American wave machines is the company that made this way. Yeah. The per is this one called perfect swell? Yes. Yeah. This is a perfect swell. For years and years, they've done surf stream, which is just like a standing wave, kind of like what you'd see down in Mission Bay. Um, you know, just like, it's not a surfing wave, really. Like a flow rider? Yeah, flow rider. Yeah. Like, and they do that kind of thing. But they've had this thing forever. They've known they could do this forever, but they've needed somebody to step up and they've needed investment. Like the entire surf pool industry has needed, you know, yeah. like the floodgates are just now starting to open up. So I want to find out how that first day went. So my line of questioning will kind of be like, you know, what happened? What you as the engineer, when you were asked to turn it on, what, you know, I'm sure your heart was in your throat, all of these types of things. And then hopefully the conversation will flow. I don't know this guy. Hopefully he can, he can drive the conversation as well as I can. And we'll just let that go organically. And then of course, I'm going to ask him about, you know, what, what we can expect to see from these different variations in the technology. What, what other types of waves can be provided here uh, at the BSR? Yeah. And then, I don't know, do you How many, have the yeah. list, listeners can send me questions. You know, I'm sure that um, I still need to do some more research. The interesting thing is I wrote an article for about American wave machines um, 10 years ago. And, and you know, when I worked at Surfer Magazine, and the gist of my article was, you know, Okay, great. It's just the gist of all my articles about these wave machines. Call me when it's six feet and perfect. And now these wave machines are creating waves that are six feet and perfect. And interestingly, now we don't want it to be perfect. Call me when it's six feet and like the ocean is what, is what <laughs> our new thing. And this one seems to have more of the unknown than, than the perfect wave at Kelly Slater's Wave. I think the new question is going to be, let's say five years from now, call me when it's six feet in doing things that the ocean has never been known to do before, like better than the ocean. 
Like right? what? Like what's an example of that? What's your imagination conjuring? Draw up the freakiest wave you've ever seen, right? Like Chopu like plus pipeline. And then there's a Mavericks peak out the back or something <laughs> like that. Like what, That's going to be crazy. But that's how what big, it is. How big can the wave get? I guess that's right? kind of that's the a new, great that's question. a new realm, right? So how that, large can we get? But I mean, honestly, we're going to get to the point. We already, like I said, with Seth Moniz's backflip, the reason why that was exciting was because we've never seen anything that big in the ocean. So this opens up all really? the possibilities. Those guys you, in Maui are doing crazy shit like you, that. Pull up a bigger backflip than that. I'm not saying we haven't seen crazier stuff or different variations and innovations. Like we've, you know, a double. I think Miola alley. has done some stuff. Miola's spindle flip or whatever is insane. It's probably more, it's it, more it, insane than that. It covers a lot of distance. Like Seth's kind of was insane. It was vertical more than it was. Right. But Miola's like cover like 25, 30 yards by the mm. time he lands. So which is the gnarliest air? Miola's by far. Yes. But who's done a bigger backflip? That was an incredible backflip. Right. And I'm not one to, I don't, you know, I don't have all the, uh, I'm just saying like from doing a forehand backflip, that was the biggest one I've ever seen for that specific maneuver. Um, It certainly was tight and the rotation was just really tight. You know, like it wasn't like, Oh, arms here. arm. It was just like, bang, like, you know? Uh, So that is, I think the next realm is we don't want to just replicate the ocean because we will always be a lesser version of it. If you're ever replicating anything, then you're limiting yourself to that expression of it. You know, I always wonder why people um, cover Beatles music. Yeah. Like like cover every single guy who learns how to play guitar covers Blackbird. Right. And it's like, how could you cannot improve upon Blackbird right. by the Beatles? Like right. you just can't. It's perfect, you know? Yeah. So with building the wave co- with wave pools, you need to start looking at the ocean as a template, but what can we do better than the ocean, you know? Huh. Um, that's interesting. 10 X. Sure, I don't think, I don't think there's anything better than the ocean. I think well, the ocean is the perfect template and to go off template is, is to go and well, now you're, place, on a, now you're on a fool's errand because we already decided that what's exciting about the ocean is the unknown, the unknown yeah, and well, having we to work. Create, we can create the unknown, having to work for it too. Oh, having to work for it. Now that's actually an interesting thing because this whole idea of endurance of, of, yeah. So having to work for it is an area where I think I was thinking more specifically the wave itself, but, but if you're but saying now you're we need, we need to churn out a current and we need to churn out all of a sudden you're sitting there and it's calm. And all of a sudden we just kick in a gnarly current and yeah. you, you have to start paddling. Well, you're with a bunch of other people and can whoever throw, can like, paddle sh- the best gets the wave. That's now. Do we throw shark shark fins into the yes. mix and we yes. and we throw blue bottles and I mean we joked about this a year ago that they need somebody standing in the pool with like a baton swinging it at the guys when they come by on a wave. Yeah, a bull whip. Yeah. That would be perfect for standing, Texas. Yes. If we had a bull whip and we were whipping lasso. a lasso. We could maybe catch your board in the air or something, you know. Because it needs that excitement. You know, right. the ocean is full of it. So right. we need to replicate that. Just have a guy with a with a a fire gun, you know, one of those, what do they call those things? Those, those fire. Oh yeah. Like a, a flamethrower. A flamethrower. Thank you. I can't believe Good yes. news. A flamethrower. You, you just flamethrow the shit out of the guy. And if you get tagged by that, good news. Jump off and get <laughs> yeah. in the water. Yeah. So the liability is not a big issue. No. Bad news. You lose your ride, but good news. You can douse yourself. <laughs> you don't need to stop, drop and roll. You just need to jump. <laughs> 
By the way, it actually brings me to another thought that like with the Kelly Slater wave pool, will will we get to a place where they're bringing in huge fans to make the wind blow a certain direction so that the aerials are, you know, the board can stick to the feet that they can do aerials into the wind. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, but that is all to say what's missing is the unknown. We want the unknown back. Yeah. Kinda. I think, um, or I don't know. I, I could be completely wrong. And that look, the reason why everybody drinks Coca-Cola or soda in general is it is delicious and it's predictable and you know what you're getting. And you know, like there's value in that. People want that and people buy the masses, support it and drink it every single day. I don't, you know, cause I don't, I don't care about that anymore. There's no excitement to it. Um, think about like a snowboard run, like halfway down the mountain, I know there's going to be a section where I can bang a big rail turn kind of like I would do in surfing, you know, and I look forward to that and I know it's there. Yeah. And I know when I'm going down, I don't have to worry about, Oh, I hope they do it this time. Or I hope, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, you know, I guess we're nitpicking a little bit, you know, because I think there are some sections. And even when you're surfing, like if you surf Karamas or wherever, you know, there's going to be a section coming up. It's predictable. You know, it's coming. You're looking forward to it. Now, there are some variables. We've got wind and we've got, you know, the type of shape that I may be in or whatever it is that is always going to be. There's always going to be unknown, even if the the format of the dance is going to be right there for us. Okay, now I've got a question for you. Let's figure this out. You get one day either at BSR or one day at Surf Ranch next month. What do you pick? Well, it's hard because we haven't surfed BSR yet. We haven't gone to Waco, so it's hard. But um, because I've already surfed the Surf Ranch, how many waves do I get? You just get one full day. One full day. either park. I I don't know. I'm going to... I don't know. <laughs> Do I have to choose? I'm going to say right now, because I want to try something different, I'm going to say Waco. Yeah. But I feel like I know that I love that wave at the coast. That wave is so fast and so killer and just offers you so many opportunities to be big turns and get tubed. And yeah. It's Dis- a longer, you're going to get way more surf time, I think, unless I think you get more waves because it's, because the waves come constantly, I think at the BSR, I don't think there's downtime. I think there is downtime. Oh, really? They shoot a pulse and you get like four waves in a row. Or but it's not like five that. or four minutes. It's no. like a minute. Yeah. It's not a long period of time. And the waves probably therefore not as clean as Kelly Slater. It's a little bit jumbled. I think, cause um, of the, you know, the water displacement, as, despite everything that I've said in this conversation, I would rather surf surf ranch next month. And also, I think my... Um, so you just lost your invitation. <laughs> to yeah. No. Well, I think I didn't get my fill on the first time. So right. I still need to scratch that itch. But I think that I would have... I don't know, man. I, I mean, I would love to do Waco. Now, here's my f- other question. What did you pick? Oh, you picked Waco, right? Yeah. BSR. Now... Just because let's I, say what the, what does that trip cost to get from here to Waco? You're going to spend and surf there for the day with accommodation, everything. You're going to spend six hundred bucks, let's say probably four hundred dollar plane ticket, hundred buck a night accommodation, sixty bucks food. Yeah, rent, okay, rent, so six hundred, seven hundred bucks. Where do you fly into? Where is Waco, by the way? You fly into <laughs> I think it's Houston. And how far from Houston is it? I think it's an hour. Oh. Uh all based on Michael C. Morella's article and me right. trying to pull it from memory. Right. Um, 
So, okay, you're 700 bucks in for one day or devote that 700 bucks to a surf trip right now. Where can we get to from here that would take the equivalent amount of time? Mexico? Yeah, mainland's always a good choice. So seven, you could do that for 700 bucks probably. Well, it'll be, for, it'll be more than 700. So what's the $700 equivalent trip then? Uh, I don't know if there isn't. I don't think you can go to Mexico for less than 700 bucks. Would it be a thousand? Three days in Mexico from here? Yeah, if you flew out of TJ to Cabo, okay. you could probably get a ticket for like 350 bucks. So would you rather do that trip or Waco now? Uh, you mean just next month, no matter yeah. what, like, but well, Waco, because I've, I want to experience Waco. Okay. I want to experience something new. All right. Um, and, you know, bringing it back to the, to the wave ranch and to the contest. And I've said this before, but now more than ever, I want to state it again, that I think they do us, the surf fan, a disservice by having Lamar on the on the schedule and not having a very legitimate big wave option on the schedule as well, be it Mavericks or Jaws or Waimea. One of those three, if they're going to have a wave pool, we have to have a big wave event on the WCT because you and I, I think I can speak for you, and most surf fans want a well-rounded true surfing champion i don't want a champion that's that's a pool boy (laughs) you know what i mean and by the way john john florence is that champion right now like so we have that that exists like the best in the world can should have to be able to surf 25 foot mavericks or you're not a or win the white man yeah is what you're talking about with john john yeah. He won the Eddie. My point is John John yeah. could go out at yeah. Mavericks and compete. True. I'm not saying he has to win it to be the world champion, but I'm just saying, look, yeah. because, you know, there's a few big guys that probably are at a disadvantage, frankly. I mean, oh, you yeah. got to be pretty small to, to get down in, into that crouch to, for that wave, you know. Yeah. And Kelly's only like, how? what is Kelly, like a buck 60? Yeah, five He's 5'9", five, nine, a buck 60 or something. Yeah. I mean, there's big guys on tour that need to be. Even Bianca Butendog looked she's tall and she looked like she was having trouble getting into it yeah yeah so i agree with you um by the way john john's in the water at rio right now oh yeah my buddy just texted me um something that's relevant to our conversation he said i've watched heats in rio today and i never thought i would ever think to say this but it's so much more exciting than the ranch contest and as i'm kind of half watching while we're recording this i agree Seeing John John take off on a wave and like not knowing what the wave's doing and what he's going to do already. It's exciting. Yeah. So, okay. Well, we know that's the one takeaway. We want the unknown back. I think we kind of knew that beforehand, but this kind of confirmed it. And it seems as if there's technology out there that's going to do that for us. And I'm sure, first of all, can't we just drop something at the bottom of the pool? At Kelly to change the contour to change it just yeah. to throw something like couldn't you just put a boulder like a massive boulder in there and just see what happens yeah or is you don't want to rip the the liner and all that who knows yeah they'll work that I'm stuff sure out. they're thinking about this and have been for a long time totally uh I saw in your notes right there Uluwatu yes Uluwatu so as you know the Margaret River event was canceled due to the ocean <laughs> Sharks. Right. Well, okay. That's my point. 
right? There's sharks in the ocean, okay? The World Surf League has confirmed event number three, the Market River Pro, that was canceled last month due to shark activity, will be completed at the world-class wave of Uluwatu on the island of Bali in Indonesia. Uh, this is going to happen within 48 hours after the conclusion of the Corona Bali Pro at Karamas and finish no later than June 13th, 2018. In the men's event, 24 competitors remain. In the women's event, eight competitors remain. So they're just going to pick it right up from where they left off and finish at Uluwatu, which is kind of cool. I'm all for it. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. We need a left on tour anyways, right? Okay. Yeah. Like this isn't the ideal left that we would need. It's not like the most rippable. Ulu's rippable. Isn't it more? I mean, it's a long barreling wave though. It's you a know. rippable wave though. Is it? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Maybe it is the wave we need then. Yeah. There's there's other sections down that point that are more just full barrels, you know, like Padang. Right. Padang? So, is it Padang or Padang? Padang? I, I don't know. Actually. Padang, 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 Padang. Depends. Tomato, tomato. I I've know. always heard Padang, Padang, but I've not been there. So I might have heard it wrong the entire time. No. Um, is it Sophia or Sophie? But what I do love about this, well, I think that's pretty definitive. I know. <laughs> she but has I've, a name no, that but she pronounces. Forever, it's like that name. It's like Kirsten or Kirsten. It's like, I don't know. You know, Kristen, Kirsten, Christine. I, I just Those are different them, names. I get them completely confused. Yeah. It's, it's They're doing... All of us and humanity a disservice. When I say all of us, I mean, yes, us, humanity. A disservice yeah. by naming somebody Christine or Kristen or Kirsten or Kirsten. There's a few other names like that where it's just like, stop confusing me. Name your kid Hugo. Okay. I'll be able to. <laughs> I'm going to. All right. Scoot. Sophia and Sophie's one of those two things. They, You know what I'm saying? All right. Scoot. Right. So what I hate about that is when you pronounce when you call Christine Kirsten and, they get and she gets pissed at you. Right. That's if, my point. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, you, you just need to know. Get that, pissed at your parents. Yes. You need to know that this is confusing for all of humanity. Yeah. And you're not allowed to get mad about for it. For all of humanity. Yeah, exactly. 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 Are there other names like that? There are. Think about it. There are. Like, oh, yeah. There's plenty like that. I don't know. All of those need of to head. be. Those need to be. Eliminated. Banished. <laughs> um. So I'm all for this, by the way, because it satisfies a goal that we talk about on this show or like actually in Margaret River specifically, I love three different contest venues, right? It yes. highlights ability to adapt. It actually, I think, allows you to find out who the best surfer in the world is because they have to be able to surf a lot of different styles of wave. I don't mind that an event started at one spot and is ending at a different spot on a different continent even. Yeah. Good, good. Make them show us variety show yeah. us who the best guy in the water is yeah uh and girls so i'm psyched for that i'm excited to see a new venue i'm all for it what did you think about john john's did you sense that john john was kind of like not excited about the founders cup yeah so what's funny he kind of wears it on his sleeve and you just really sense that he wasn't into it a couple of thoughts on john john i was getting text messages all day at the boardroom show from my buddy who was watching the event and it was a great uh, indicate he was like John John's either a you know how Kelly um needs phenomenal waves to really put on his best performances yeah he he doesn't show up to Rio but he serves great at eight to ten foot chopes and pipe um John John felt the same way it was almost like I'm not interested in being here and I need some I need either 
competitors who push my A game or I need the waves to really push my game to really elevate my, for me to even show what my talent level is. You know, this isn't requiring the best of me. So I do agree with that. Um, also, Derek Riley wrote an interesting article on Beach Grit and the comments section was pretty interesting too about what if John John walks away from the tour? Like what does, what would that look like for everybody involved? John John has kind of enough cachet. It's similar, he didn't say this, but I was thinking it's similar to when Kelly walked away from Quicksilver. It looks crazy. Like they have a 25 year relationship. Why would they do this? Well, in reality, Kelly grew bigger than Quicksilver. Like Kelly's own brand has more value than Quicksilver can really compensate him for. And he can then go create licensing deals and leverage all that. There's a lot of opportunity for Kelly Slater as an individual. So with John John, he's kind of gotten to that level where he's got multiple world titles under his belt. Maybe there's, and then you simultaneously have Red Bull doing their Cape Fear event this year at Shipstern's Bluff in Tasmania. Like he's not allowed to compete in that because of his contractual obligation to the WSL. The WSL is making their own business decisions by doing events in wave pools, you know, and not doing it at Fiji or lowers or whatever. John John, maybe not right now, but might ultimately grow to a point where he is a brand unto itself that could then go compete in the Red Bull Cape Fear event, can then go compete at the Eddy, could then go kind of do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, sail the world when he wants, and not be, you know? Like yeah, it, but it's would an he lose some of his brand cachet? Well, in other words, I think about Dane Reynolds, and he's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth. But to his own, because he hasn't, the, his value was Marine Layer, right? And him pumping out edits. He's stopped doing that at a certain point, and he's decided to have a family. No, I get. So I'm he's not, not doubting why he did it. I'm just saying, like, but he's not surf. He's not delivering what he promised he would deliver. His value was in putting out these free surf edits, right. and he stopped doing that. So John, John, I'm what I'm suggesting is there might be a time where the world title, depending on how the WSL manages their business, where the world title doesn't have as much cachet as they want it to, or that it did previously have, especially if the best surfers in the world aren't even doing that tour. Yeah. That's something they have to be really careful about and we'll see how that all plays out. But you could get to a UFC thing where you've yeah. got two different brands, three different brands. What's the other big Bellator Bellator. Yeah. But they bought Bellator, I think. Oh, did they? So they, they managed their business very well, but as we're look, we keep using that as the example, the counterpoint and if they start compensating their athletes the way that the UFC does and prevent them from having sponsor contracts or at least showcasing those sponsors in their wave pool, which they did, by the way, I don't know if you saw that going into the Founders Cup, they sent an email out to everybody saying you're not allowed uh, to do product placement in front yeah. of the pool. By creating I, saw, I think Chaz or somebody wrote about leaked that. Leaked an email, yeah. Chaz yeah. leaked the email that went out to the athletes. So as they're making those moves going, hey, you're not allowed to like pretend as if your sponsor is associated with our, because we need to maintain all the sponsor deals that come through this event, uh, which it makes sense. Like, obviously that's what you do. If you own the venue, you want to be in control of, you know. Yeah. But I, it, that was just for the Founders Cup though, right? I would assume any event in that venue. Right. So only the Founders Cup more. thus far. 
but I would assume it applies to the September event as well. Yeah. So, you know, as the WSL continues to make decisions like that, guys like John John are going to continue to make decisions that are best for their brand and their business. Yeah. And maybe at a certain point, their main sponsor goes, Hey dude, you have to, it's not like the WSL was asking them to strip stickers off their board, but at some point their sponsors are going to want to maintain yeah, the we, level we paid of, John John to get exposure. Yeah, but that but they didn't take that away. Not yet, right? I don't think they ever can. It's like golf. All the the golf industry is better because there's tons of brands on these. It's like NASCAR. It's like all you 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 can't stop that from happening, or you're you're shrinking the pond instead of growing the pond. Well, those are all decisions that are yet to be made. I am watching this event in Rio, and it's awesome. Relative John John's to, ripping, right? He's totally ripping, and there's, and it's just it's that that concept that we were talking about, the unknown, was something that we just took for granted. Like, and in many ways, we were like, we don't want the unknown. We want the perfect wave, and yeah. now we're like, you know what? We were wrong. Yeah. We want the unknown. It's crazy because I'm watching even David Silva here. These guys are ripping, and you don't know what's coming at them. You you know you sort of do. But that's a pretty legit wave these guys are riding. But like too. in the replay right now of John John going up and doing the standard top turn, yeah. that wave was actually pitching a lot more than I thought it was. And the way that he punched through it and kicked the tail, all that little nuance for a three point ride provided more excitement than yeah. we saw in seven point rides at the wave pool. Because he, he was going into it and I'm like, oh shoot, that thing's pitching. If it were me, I would back out. I would just turn down and like get away from that. Right. But no, he punched through it and then kicked the tail through it. Oh, that was crazy. You know? So that's the excitement that we're talking about. Well, um, here David Silva's got priority with five minutes left. He only needs oh he needs a seven. Oh, six and a half. Yeah. Anyway, we can't watch and talk or it's horrible. Um well I've got a couple of closing thoughts about the show, but I did want to talk. We didn't about talk boardroom. The boardroom, yeah. We need a boardroom follow-up. I'm going to interview Travis this week. Travis, Killer. Travis Reynolds won the Icons of Foam competition. It yes. was really an underdog kind of scenario. Maybe not underdog, but certainly um, the young buck coming in and besting the guys who had 30 years experience on him. Yeah, he was the number eight seed. There was only eight guys, and he was the eight seed. So. That means he took down the number one seed in the round one. He took down Ricky Carroll. And I only heard great things about the format change that we made where we have man-on-man heats. The, the two boards are judged immediately after the heat and the, the winner moves on and the loser goes home. And I thought it just made a, for a lot more fun, mm-hmm. you know? And again, you know, for listeners out there, look, I get it. Believe me, we all get it that shaping a surfboard isn't a competition. But we've made it as as such once time each year for this event because what it does is it highlights and excavates and lifts up and puts a spotlight on hand-shaping surfboards, the craft of building a surfboard, which is good for the surfboard building manufacturing industry. Yeah. This is important. And so there's a bigger picture here than just, oh, my God, these guys are making it like what – you know, like I saw some – bodega board riders club or something on insta was was like basically giving us a hard time saying hey you've made it like dancing with the stars this is surfboard shaping this is a sacred craft i can't believe you're doing this you know like it's like okay dude you do not get the big picture here (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think you know look surfers are the worst and that's a great example of it so my dad yesterday i saw my dad yesterday and 
When are you going to make he was grandchildren the- for these people? For Kitty and Dad, when is the grandkid coming? That's what I want to know. Let's just cut to the chase. They need grandchildren. Six months from now. How old are you? I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> you just threw Kitty into a heart attack. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, 36. 36. How old are the numerous girlfriends that you have? 33. <laughs> <laughs> I need I say more. <laughs> um... <laughs> Got to carry on the scales legacy, bro. Tell me about it. My older brother has a kid, and oh. but a girl, and my dad sat me down. That's and had okay. That. No, well, it's oh, totally okay. Dad's... But my dad sat me down and had that talk with me a couple of years ago, where he's just like, "You realize you need to carry on the name, right?" Because my older brother's not having any more kids, oh. so there's no chance of a boy. Uh, so he's like, "Not only do you have to have kids, you need to have a boy. Otherwise, the oh. bloodline." Oh my god! I'm like, dude, that is a lot of pressure. That is not cool. First of all, that's yeah, not cool. If that's all you want, I can crank out a kid for you right now. <laughs> um, You'll so, be fiscally responsible. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So anyway, I was talking to my dad yesterday, and he was—we were talking about the boardroom show, and he's like, "Dude, it made me realize how much of a physical labor it is to make a surfboard. Those guys are doing a lot of work, and they're swinging around a heavy machine." You know, at an arm's length, lots of times, it's not like great for your posture and standing and all that. Yeah. So at any rate, you're right. But in regard to the format, the shaping format that you introduced this year, the bracket system, I was opposed to it going in because I'm like, look, dude, it adds a lot of complexity. These guys don't want to bang out three boards in a weekend. It's not really the best showcase of like, these are the best of the best. We want to allow them to show the high quality of their craft. And this is forcing them to kind of this lowest common denominator of speed and just get it done quickly. But I was wrong. What it ended up doing was the highlight of previous boardroom shows was the reveal and the judging. And that only took place for 30 minutes on a Sunday at the end of the weekend. This allowed it to take place. How many times? Six times throughout the course of the weekend. Uh, more than that, I think. Yeah, maybe six or maybe more. Four times for Four, round one. Four, five, six, seven times? Yeah. So it happened repeatedly. So there was this excitement repeatedly throughout yes. the weekend. Yes. So I, I applaud you for executing the concept. It worked well. Now, here's my constructive feedback. And this came from a listener, actually. He goes, dude, we want to know why one board got judged the winner over the other because it's kind of like we're all invested in this and then we all stand around and watch the judging and we want to know why the board on the left won because it looks insight. and then i go i i made me realize that seminar space might be perfect for this where immediate or maybe this was his recommendation too immediately after the judging we all go over to the seminar space and somebody maybe it's you maybe it's me maybe it's somebody else sits down with Mark Andrini and Kurt Putnam in this scenario and goes, Hey, what was it about board number one? And he explains in detail, it could be a 30 minute. Dis- well, the best thing to do is to have the two shapers with the judge, yes, the exactly. guy that's being honored and yeah. have him t- talk it through. Now what's interesting is that might be awkward, but all, I think it's all fine. Parties- it depends on how you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel comfortable that we would be able to facilitate that conversation yeah but it executes your original goal which was elevate these shapers yes yes. it really and it it really gives it now puts that 90 minutes it gives it a lot more value yes what it also does is over the years of interviewing surfboard shapers 
I was always steering away from technical conversations. Once conversations got too technical, I steered away because I thought listeners wouldn't want that. Yeah. I was I was wrong. I've always gotten feedback where it's like, no, 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 get into the nitty gritty of what a single concave does as opposed to a double concave. And I think that's what that person was telling me at that show was, hey, dude, let's go over to that seminar space and give me all the technical detail. Right. So that's, that's great insight that I, I can say by sitting here in this chair that I want to ad- adapt uh, for next try year. Try to do it. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. Because, we'll do that. yeah, be, this, your surfboard, your, the boardroom show isn't broad market, bring all the big clothing brands in and everybody who owns a surfboard in Southern California comes. They're welcome to, and they're welcomed there, but it really, what it's good at doing is getting the best shapers in the world, the best craftsmen together in one space. And like, this is a core, like we're all actual surfers going to the beach every day and that are interested in design, Yes, you know, and what makes what work. And so this serves that effort. I love that. We're going to, we're going to look into doing that. That's good stuff. There was a lot that went on at the boardroom show. Um, There was a lot of new stuff. I purposely brought in foils and foil companies. Um, Ryan and Jeff Hurley, they have uh, West coast foils. They got a booth. Uh, David Dom from Kings paddle sports had his foils there. Um, Pizel of course had his foils. There were some foils in the XTR booth. Um, and a few other brands had some foil boards there and, and foils. So, Foils was kind of like, continues to be kind of the hot new thing. So to, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and what about the Peter Schroff Asian import um, controversy? Did you hear anything about that? Not at all, actually. I saw um, in advance prior to the show, I saw stuff on Instagram, but I was not. No, I didn't see anything. What happened? Was there well, nothing really happened. No, there nothing happened. There was supposed to be, there was some, you know, Peter Schroff got on Instagram and was like, I'm coming down there and I'm going to see what Kelly Slater's all about. Or I don't even know what he said. I didn't look at it, but I heard that he was chirping. But somebody said they saw Mark Price from Firewire talking with Peter Schroff. Like they actually had a, I don't know if it was a conversation or, if, or how it went down, but I heard that um, I think it was good. I think, there oh. was, I think there was good discourse between the two of them wow and peter Schroff was nothing but a gentleman there he didn't cause any problems which was great wow and everybody's welcome as long as you don't cause problems and yeah and that seemed to be the case good well best case scenario and then best in show was barry snyder's airbrush and jack sabala from night train surfboards for color work with resin those were the two best in show boards awesome great i saw both those boards amazing and there was a bunch of legends at the show. I mean, the show was rife with Dick Brewer was there. Yeah. I saw Rennie Yater there. Um, I saw Jeff Timpone was there. Dave Parmenter. Your booth had a bunch of cool people there, right? And how did oh, that go? How, how was amazing. the discussion with those guys? It was amazing. It, yeah. it really uh, worked out better than I could have hoped for. I basically just teed it all up and then got out of the way. That was yeah. my goal was like... Um, these are interesting dudes who have a lot to say. And even like I've had Parmenter on the podcast a couple of times, it's not nearly enough. He has way more to communicate, you know? And, um, so this was an opportunity for like them just to be able to communicate with people and listeners want to communicate with them. And I'm grateful that 
not only did those former show guests show up and engage, but listeners showed up with a bunch of questions and wanting to engage. And so like Parmenter specifically, I scheduled him on Sunday for two hours. He swung by on Saturday and I was like, oh, hang out. And he was like, no, no, no. He's like, I don't want to step on anybody else's toes. I know that you have so-and-so in the booth right now. I think, I forget who it was, but um, I don't want to step on their toes. And I was like, oh, that's awfully sweet or nice. Like you're not stepping on their toes. There's room for everybody, but that's nice of you. Then when he was scheduled on Sunday, sat down on the couch and held court for two straight hours, you know, and people came up and they're like, oh, I don't want to interrupt. And I go, no, 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 there's room on the sofa for you. Get in there. And they would. And he then included them in the conversation, you know, same thing. Josh Martin, same thing. Fully engaged with everybody. Like people were thrilled because they see all his Instagram stuff. And um, yeah, it was just all positive. Now, I know you're busy uh, working the show, but did you see any boards? Did you come home with any boards? Did you get anything under your arm that you walked away with? I would love to say that I did. I didn't even really do a lap through the show. I, wow. was, I was like stuck in yeah. a 40 square foot radius almost the entire time. Yeah. But again, shout out to the fans. Having a conversation with a fan, finish that turn half a turn to the right and there'd be another fan right there ready to chat. And then it's like chat with them, turn half a direction and then chat again. It was like nonstop the entire weekend. And I would say that the, the, one of the biggest highlights of the show is the surfers are the worst sticker. People loved it. Couldn't get enough. I know. And I've seen pictures on Instagram. People are placing their stickers. Take photos. Take some Instagram shots. Tag us in it. Tag us. We'll repost. Spit podcast. We'll repost. At Spit Podcast. Wow. So a great show. The show is is a huge success. Congratulations. Yeah. And I'm already thinking about next year. And and Japan is going to happen next year as well. So we're going to do two shows next year. I was going to say, are we talking about that publicly? Well, I mean, I put it out there and I need to follow up. And so as of now, we're moving forward with it. I haven't done any reconnaissance in Japan. I need help. Frankly, I need somebody who knows the Japanese space that's that lives there, that speaks both languages fluently, that can kind of guide me around. And so I'm looking for that person to um, to help me find the right venue, explain to me why it's the right venue. You know, I need to get it all figured out, you know, costs, all that. And But I... I sense that the market or the industry wants it to happen. So, uh, yes, it does. The two realities are you have the track record and the ability to kind of bring all these people together and to make it happen. Japan has a thriving surf culture and they would love a show like this. So yeah, just need to connect those dots. Exactly. I'm all for it, dude. Yeah, man, we're going to make it happen. Uh, I have a musty moment and a Duke, um, so my Duke's actually Seth Moniz, not only for that backflip, Seth Moniz is so under the radar. Snapped 3 came out last year. It was a surf film. Um, you can see it for free. I'll post it on spitpodcast.com. Seth's section in it was so sick. From big waves at backdoor to really crazy flips and stuff like that, there's one giant helicopter-type air rotation he does. It's a double grab but he spins flat. He gets super high and spins flat, which isn't generally you want to see some inversion. This is weird because it's so lofty and so flat, but he lands on his stomach. When he comes down, he comes down real hard in the flats and ends up landing flat on his stomach on the board, but then recovers from it. And it's just, 
it's a novelty, but it's hilarious, freakishly talented and athletic and completely under the radar. Whether it's because it's a whole clan of Monizes, you know, from Joshua, Isaiah, this Kalia, maybe he just kind of falls in the realm of Moniz, but he's a standout surfer on his own. So I'm going to post that snapped three section along with his backflip at BSR because Seth Moniz, I think he's like 16 or something and he's unbelievable. Cool. Well, imagine we'll probably, hopefully we'll see Seth on tour, right? Eventually here. Hopefully. He's um, only 16. Dude, huh. last I remember he was 15, and that was probably a year ago. So I'm just <laughs> doing the math. Pretty simple math. All right. But I get confused, too, because there's a bunch of brothers. I get confused about yeah. ages. Um, now, my must-see moment. Yes. Strider exiting the pool <laughs> at Lemoore to, to Vince Garaldi's trio. Vince Garaldi trio's Christmas Time is Here, that real sad, melancholy part of the song. Todd Richards took footage of Strider walking out, looking down at his feet, just like kind of dragging his feet, bummed out <laughs> with the Vince Garaldi trio's song over it. It's hilarious. Wow. And it was like, I, I think see that. Todd Richards caption was like, um, the feeling you get when you watch perfect waves all day and don't get one to yourself. <laughs> it's just like, wah, wah, wah. it's so good. So I'll post that on spitpodcast.com as well. By the way, I heard they sold out their VIP, like the $10,000 ride away thing. I think I heard they sold that out. Good. Yeah. Good. And I heard they did a 50, they are, I need to look into this actually, because I'm speaking a little bit out of turn. It was just a headline or something that I saw, but they um, offered, you can rent out the place for 50 K a day and they sold that out as well. Oh, rad. Gnarly. So I don't know how many days they made available, but good for them. It's probably hard to make their money. They're, they've they've invested a lot. Oh into that yeah, thing. I mean they're so far from yeah breaking even on this thing. It's a loss but, leader. But yeah, I mean obviously license the pool around the world and uh, my Duke Conamook is Travis Reynolds who won the Icons of Foam Shape off at the boardroom last weekend, or yeah, two weekends ago, and um, Travis from Santa Cruz, as you mentioned, took first place. And that was a hard deal. They had to, he finished, he shaped three boards and um, he's our new icons of foam defending champion. And he'll be back next year to defend who, who will we be honoring is the question. Not sure. I don't know either. I might know, but I can't say. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, great event. Yeah. Nicely done. Thanks. That's all I got. Awesome, dude. Well, another spectacular show. Um, We got to give a shout out. Who do you want to thank in regard to our sponsors? Give me well, the need sales essentials. Pitch. Ray, me sa- Rob helped me. Uh, I gave away a, a wetsuit to a listener through some radio advertising I did for the show. And so Rob at need essentials deserves a shout out for, for sponsoring that. He gave a young lady a new wetsuit, which is really cool. They, uh, I talked to a bunch of, so last year was their first time at the boardroom show. And a lot of listeners, we had been talking about the wetsuits got wetsuits at that show. So now I was talking to people and they were like, Oh, I've already gone through. I've not gone through, but I've already u- gotten two or three wetsuits, the full suit, the four, three and the short sleeve. And they're on their second round now, Killer. their third suit. And yeah. so what I was going to say is great. Glad you love the suits. Look into the outerwear that, uh-huh. that jacket, the lightweight jacket. I can't, I wear the heavy jacket all the time and I've given them as gifts repeatedly. 
get yourself some of the outerwear. Yeah, I've gotten my son Hank a couple of full suits. And just yesterday, he's like, does Need Essentials make spring suits? Because the water's getting warmer. Not only spring suits, fully stocked women's line of suits as well. All right, cool. Um, Yeah, so needessentials.com. Thanks for the support on this show. And Spy Optic. Dude, Spy Optic. Feeling happy with Spy Optic. They gave me so much stuff to pass out at the boardroom show. Stickers, flasks, all sorts of stuff. Water bottles. Killer. Um, so really appreciate their support as well. They make this show happen. Spyoptic.com. When people use our promo code podcast. They get something for free. A t-shirt. Free t-shirt. Throw it in. The thing What's is. What's the promo code? Say it again. Podcast. Podcast. Easy Throw in podcast at the cart when you're checking out and get a free t-shirt. Look, here's the deal. You don't need to go buy free buy sunglasses just for the heck of it. But at some point, you do need sunglasses. You do need snow goggles. Buy them from Spy at that point. Absolutely. Support and it they directly support this show. Promo code podcast. Yeah. And then of course Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. Yes. They graciously let us use their boardroom, conference room, library. Yep. That's All right, dude. Nice who's your pick for Rio? <laughs> I it's funny, I wasn't even I purposely was kind of gonna boycott watching this just because I'm busy and whatever. But it looks killer. It looks like fun surf. Like it looks like fun to watch. There's lots of waves coming off of a jetty right-handers. It's punchy. There's unpredictability. The unknown is right in front of us, man, and I'm engaged. Now, here's what else I kind of realize every once in a while. We want perfect waves on tour. We want, like, big perfect waves. Yeah. Like Chopu. But whenever I see waves like this, I like it because it's relatable. Yeah. These are waves that I would end up surfing regularly throughout the year. So there's an element of relatability that is appealing but that that doesn't trump seeing the best surfers in the world doing the best surfing in the world for me. This, that, that should be always number this one. This is the type of wave where you can see the difference between the bottom 15 and the top 15. Because the really good guys, the Julians and the Owens, their bottom turns are flowing from turn to turn. They're not jabbing three little check turns before they load up. Yeah. And you can really see that in this punchy beach break. The good guys. Yeah. So who's your pick to win the event? My pick is Owen Wright. Wow. My pick's Idolo. Idolo oh, that's That's so easy. Come on. So do you want to be right or do you want to <laughs> pick a hard underdog? Okay. Pick? I'm going. I'm, I'm okay with Idolo. I've got him on my team. I'm going Idolo on the men's, Chris on the women's. Fair enough. All right. We'll see in a couple of days. Do they have women's surfing in this? It turns out they do. Wow. The women ran on day one in really, really marginal conditions. Me too. Hashtag. Hashtag, Are you, hashtag me too. All right. I don't think you know what that movement is about. I don't, I don't. I don't. Based on the way that you've used it in this show, you've kind of like devalued the movement and completely misunderstood it. But okay. That's all right. Okay, adios. Until next time, adios and aloha. Yeah.